0: Good morning, lovely people, and welcome to the Black Pill Radio Show. I'm your host, Mr. Tyler, and today we are talking about the miseducation of the black child. Is there a crisis in our black school system when it comes to educating our children? We have five panelists who are going to be on the broadcast with us today. I'm going to have them introduce themselves, and then we'll go right into it. So we'll start with Ms. Angela.
1: Hi, uh, my name is Angela McBird. I am currently a high school mathematics teacher um, I also currently blog about uh, various topics in the educational community.
0: And next we'll go to Miss Bailey. Good
2: morning. My name is Nicole Bailey and I'm the founder and principal of the Learning Tree Arts School, which is an elementary middle school in Corona, Queens, New York.
0: Excellent. Next up is Miss Shantae.
2: Hi everyone. My name is Shante Pelt. I'm based out of Gilbert, Arizona. I am a parent of
1: two beautiful black children. Um, I own Cocoa Pie Clothing, which is a business that celebrates natural hair for little black girls.
0: Next up is Jamel.
3: Uh, Peace and blessings. Uh, My name is Jamel. I'm a community organizer and youth activist with uh, Future of Tomorrow in Cypress Hills, East New York, working to dismantle the school-to-prison pipeline and develop youth leadership within the Cypress Hill's community.
0: Excellent. And last but not least, Mr. Bob.
4: Hey, this is Bob Law. And uh, I'm with the National Black Leadership Alliance. Uh, One of the things that we are involved in is an education initiative, which is moved to create a fund to help fund independent black schools. And uh,
0: uh,
4: and that is part of what we we do around the area of, of education.
0: Excellent. So the first question I want to throw to you guys is, The the perception that our black children are being miseducated. One, is that true? And is there a crisis in our school system when it comes to educating our black youth? And I would like Angela to take that first question.
1: Um, I do believe that there is a crisis within our community in terms of miseducating our black children. Um, Even thinking beyond the racial inequalities and the biases that exist in our school system, I think a large part of the miseducation of Black children can be um, um, can can really be broken down into the type of the way that students are treated in school and the type of curriculum that a lot of these schools are presenting to children. I think I think the children in our communities need more curriculum that builds on their strengths, um, that is more affirming of their Black culture, um, and also Having teachers that can relate to them in ways that um, white teachers or teachers of other races cannot necessarily relate to them.
0: Okay, Bob, I want you to.
1: Yeah, I definitely think. I'm sorry. No, it's
0: okay. So, Bob, I want you to piggyback off that question.
4: Yeah, I think that, uh, well, she has really answered it. The education, uh, at the heart of education, is. the the concept of an idea of discovery education allows you to discover what else exists in the world and also encourages you and allows you to discover more of yourself the 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 public school curriculum curriculum and and instruction is is the key to the pedagogy of and and the public school uh, curriculum does not allow black students to discover the value of their own natural identity it doesn't allow them to discover the the value of their heritage their legacy and it in it in it in a very real sense it teaches white supremacy and so the the uh, as the sister says aside from just the inadequacies of teaching below grade level the, what it does it's not just a question of what it doesn't uh, teach it is also a serious concern for what it actually does teach. And the public schools that are dysfunctional on one level in terms of academic study, but on another level, they are teaching and indoctrinating a curriculum that does harm to the very psyche of the black students who are in their care.
0: So I'm going to ask Shontay a question. You have uh, two kids. I know you homeschool a little bit, but your kids are also... I assume, in some sort of educational institution. Uh, what has your experience been like with with your children in the school system?
1: Um, you know, primarily having children in the public school system is somewhat disappointing because as Angela spoke to, um, and the gentleman who was just on, oh, forgive me, I um, forgot your name, however, she spoke to the curriculum, um, and literally it's a lack thereof, or it's completely just it's inaccurate the majority of it um the majority of the teachers are completely just culturally unaware so their expectations for our children are so much lower and because of that it hinders their um their ability they don't go in with the same um motivation with the same belief that they can complete things because they don't have that uh, cultural identity um it, it really just it sets them apart and it puts them in a different in a different um, lane as far as what they're capable of doing. So it does hinder them. so I agree 100% that there is a um, crisis in educating black children. And as he spoke to, the majority of the curriculum that they do provide, it has sentiments or experiences of white supremacy. And um, we all know that it's based on Western civilization. So that's not going to do our children any good at all.
0: So, Ms. Bailey, as a principal of a school, um, and I know you predominantly have black and Latino children, um, what are you doing to combat some of the issues that Bob brought up, Angela brought up, and Shantae brought up, in terms of having more teachers of color in the classroom dealing with a Western civilization curriculum? Um, how do you combat that with your school? Well, uh, in
2: my school, we are uh, kind of a grade of all
0: of our students, uh, take black history. Make and sure you t- make sure you're talking to the American phone. America. Are you on speakerphone, or Are you talking directly into the phone? In the phone, I'm
2: in the phone. So what I'm saying is that my school, from kindergarten level 0, up to eighth grade level, they are required to learn black studies because grade is important. The part about teachers, American history. Um, I I think that it is important. We need to do more about it, for instance, school system. And if, if it's not there in that system, it is very, very important that parents do it. Just, you have to make sure that the children know their history, they know who they are, they know they are important people, that they have a on the history and doing great things. So, for example, um, recently in my middle school, school class, grade 5 and 8, I said it for those children, and I gave them a project to do where they had to train their history. And it was amazing. They learned so much about their families and people they didn't even know. One child traced her family all the way back to second generation, two generations of slavery.
0: this next question to Jamel. I know you work with the youth and you're involved in the public school system. um, And I think you do a little bit of after school as well. Um, When we talk about white supremacy and the Western ideology in terms of how we educate our children, how does that affect the students that you come in contact with? Are the students like bored? Are the students disinterested in that? Do the students not identify with that? Or maybe they do. I just want to get your feel on working with the youth, because we know we talked about the uh, school-of-prison pipeline as well. How does the uh, the sure. education affecting our youth in the classroom?
3: Yeah, I think, um, and I think one of the panelists t- kind of hit on this just a few minutes ago, is that um, all th- throughout the curriculum in the classroom, student, students are are being educated from a white supremacy lens um, and I'm someone who values the knowledge of self-identity can help advance a student's academics and without that self-knowledge in the classroom um, educators are doing a disservice to black and brown students and limiting their growth right the bar is set low for black and brown students and again we can't deny the fact that we live in a country where um, Black people were denied the right to education and equality quality education, and our ancestors, some of them had to give their lives just for us to even be in the classroom. Um, and even though we're in those classrooms now, that struggle continues, and that struggle is through the curriculum and what's being taught. Um, so I do agree there is a, mis- uh, there is a crisis um, in the miseducation of black folks, and educators have to do a lot to represent young people people um black and brown's true history and true identity in curriculum and in the classrooms um, some students are becoming really adapt or like used to some of the things that's being taught to them and it goes over their heads um, but that shows up in the real world and it will show up a long time and we have to do everything in our duty to dismantle that
0: so what are the solutions to the miseducation of the black child is it black schools is it homeschooling is it fighting the board of ed fighting uh to get different curriculums to get more black teachers into the school more male black teachers into the school system um what do you guys think and i'll start with angela
1: um i think it's a it's it's kind of a combination of those things so i think um we've been discussing how the curriculum is really the key piece um and it makes me think about how the um, um, uh, pedagogy of the oppressed, Paulo Freire, that he pretty much talks about how like we're pouring. Would we? Would we? Um, are we doing our children a disservice by just pouring information into them and allowing them to regurgitate that information? Or are we allowing these students to? Is it more important for us to allow these students to take grasp of their own education um, and become more independent in that way? And I think. Restructuring the way that the curriculum is done in a lot of black schools um, is where we can start. And I also think that um, even incorporating restorative practices in black schools, because when we talk about when we talk about the education or the miseducation of the black child, we also have to take into account um, the school-to-prison pipeline and how our children are being funneled into the juvenile and the criminal justice system at higher rates than their white counterparts. Um, And so I think restructuring the curriculum and introducing different strategies to um, incorporate into how we deal with misbehaviors in the schools are both ways that we can um, start to break down this miseducation of our children.
0: Bob, what do you think about that? What are some of the solutions to... To the issues that we're dealing with in our school system?
4: You know, I've been struggling with the public schools for some time as part of this national education movement. I brought a lawsuit against the New York City public schools in 1990. One of the, and, and uh, it was resisted by black and white political uh, leadership. The black mayor, David Dinkins in New York, was the person who filed litigation to block the nine school children who were the uh, plaintiffs in the class action lawsuit, talking, pointing to the inadequacies in the public schools. It was the black mayor who, uh, who issued the order of the file to block those students from having their day in the court. My, my position is that the, the solution is to establish a meaningful alternative To the public school system the system has learned to dance with us they have learned to fight they will waltz they will dance they will go they will set up special academies special projects charter schools any number of things in order to maintain their ultimate control over the educational environment and over the pedagogy of of, of, that is being used to educate our children i believe firmly that the solution is independent schools and to build and and there are many independent schools around the country that that are, are struggling in order to just keep the doors open but I, if we could connect those if we could create a, a network of the existing independent schools which is the reason we founded grace The organization, the fundraising organization that is trying to raise funds to just give money to independent schools in the way that the United Negro College Fund was conceptualized to provide money for black colleges. But this grace operates in an even more pure sense and and gives money to independent schools. The environment within which the children are being educated is so critical and if we put more teachers, for instance, in, uh, in public schools, we put more black male teachers in public schools, we don't know for sure the level of consciousness of those, male, those black male teachers. They operate within the context of the uh, oppressive public school curriculum. We, we need an a educational environment that is de- designed by us with the consciousness that is being spoken to in this conversation as these sisters are laying out what they do and their understanding of, of, the, of the educational need and process. That is important that that be included in the, the, uh, uh, the very culture of the educational system. And we are not going to be able to do that within the public school system I believe that we really have to focus much more of our attention on building a more powerful, more meaningful, independent school alternative to the public school system.
0: So, Shante, we talk about changing the curriculum, changing the way we deal with students in terms of discipline, independent schools as solutions. What solutions do you think are necessary as a parent um, to combat the miseducation of the black child and... When we think about parental involvement, community involvement, political involvement, as a parent, um, what involvement do you think is, is necessary for you to give your child the best chance that your child can have in a public school system?
1: Well, first, for me, I definitely agree with everything um, the other two panelists mentioned. But for me, coming through public school myself and the system, I had to literally take a lot of time to re-educate myself. You know I didn't realize how much I just wasn't aware of Um, and I think we all to an extent can relate to that coming out of school and being an adult and learning so many things about ourselves and our culture that you know you sit and wonder why wasn't I taught this or you know Mm -hmm. what happened to this information so I had a lot of time just reading 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 a lot of literature so that I can actually have that information to provide to my children in addition to that um, just being involved, you know, speaking to the teachers, providing um, suggestions, being on top of, uh, both, of my, both of my daughter's expectations, raising, you know, two, two black girls and being a black woman myself, I understand how attitudes and perceptions of black girls are often, you know, we're just perceived as defiant or disruptive or even aggressive. You know, we all know that black girls are suspended at rates three times up from studies, say up to six times as often as white girls for offenses, you know, much less than their counterparts. So it's extremely, extremely important that we're aware first of what we're dealing with because if we aren't aware um, in the correct aspect, there's no way that we can combat it. So for me, again, just educating myself, making sure I'm really aware of what I'm dealing with, and then um, just getting in wherever I can, wherever I can, as often as I can, and making sure my girls are aware of who they are And what they're dealing with, they can identify not
0: only what's going on, but that it doesn't, you know, damage their psyche. Excellent. So, Jamel, we talked about um, how black girls are suspended six more times than white girls. This is something that Shante mentioned um, in terms of discipline. Angela also mentioned something about discipline, how we discipline our children. I know when I took your your course, uh, School to Prison Pipeline, you had a lot of stats and statistics, especially in New York City. Um, how our children are disciplined and treated. So can you share some of that with us?
3: Um, Yeah. Uh, So Future of Tomorrow is also a part of a coalition in New York City called the Urban Youth Collaborative. And last year in April, we released a report, uh, an invest-divest report, around the amount of money spent on the criminalization of black and brown students in New York City. Um, Basically calling on the mayor and the city, DOE, to pull Um, Some of the money that they spend on cameras, police, metal detectors, alternative hearing suspension centers, um, which is well over $700 million, um, to invest those in positive alternatives in schools like restorative practices um, that was mentioned earlier, which right now is um, the city spends less than $10 million um, in New York City on. Um, And again, right, there's no surprise black and brown students are suspended and arrested much higher than than their white pairs in New York City alone out of all of the arrests made last year black and Latin, in schools black and Latino students accounted for more than 90% of the arrests in New York City schools but we are less than 60 percent of the New York City school body population the disparities are extremely disgusting these numbers exist and um, folks are very, doing very little in the city to address these issues, right? We need to stop criminalizing our young people for youthful behavior. Kids are being punished for being kids. And because of the um, the illusion of black students and brown students misbehaving and being portrayed as criminals, some people buy into that being harsh on those crimes, on these petty childish crimes is the right way when actually it is, um, doing a disservice and bringing pe- young people down and it has a long-term effect right so if students are being used to being pushed out of the classroom they're more likely to drop out they're more likely to commit rail climbs outside of high school when they become into the adults or they won't be able to functionally well in society um, so one one alternative to dismantle the school-to-prison pipeline that we're working on right is restorative practices um, bring in the funding um where students can participate in permeation restorative circles, have chances to engage in real listening skills, learn accountability um and and become better in their school community, shifting school climate and culture right and we're also working on young people um taking on leadership roles and having more voices in their schools, right? So another thing we've noticed that in some schools, everything is determined by adults um, when we should be intentional about having spaces where young people make decisions for themselves in partnership with adults so they can develop these real skills that can be used outside of the classroom um, and help set up the schools that they want to see that are fit for them.
0: So, Jamel, I know when I was in your course, you had mentioned a stat. I think it was something like $300,000 right. that the city spends. Yeah, yeah. Can yeah, you talk yeah. about that?
3: Yep. Yeah, sure. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> I didn't have the numbers on the top of my head. But, um, again, so um, in New York City, there's more than $300 million spent on school safety agents. And those are the cops in schools. That includes metal detectors, salaries, um, all the expenses for their jobs that's more than $300 million compared to the less than $10 million spent on restorative practices Um, out of arrest, uh, excuse me, out of suspensions in New York City schools um, black and Latino students well black students alone account for more than 50% of the suspensions in New York City schools um, but Black students make up only 26% of the population in New York City schools. Um, black girls in New York City are eight times more likely to be suspended than their white peers for the same infraction. So, for little petty things like t- having a phone in class or talking back to the teacher, um, childish behavior. Um, some of the I can pull off the top of my head, um, but again, at the end of the day, what these numbers show is that there's a real issue that's not being addressed, and that even when we see uh, suspensions being reduced, like last year in New York City, there was a reduction in some of the suspensions, um, the disparities do not um, decrease, Right. So, which obviously shows there's a race issue here. Um, and the Department of Education needs to go back to the drawing board to reevaluate what are they doing to support black and brown students um, receive the, a proper education and be prep for society.
0: Excellent, excellent. So, Ms. Bailey, I want to ask you a question. Where does parental responsibility come in? Because some people will say, oh, well, you know, it's the parents' It's not really the school system so much. When it comes to the behavior, it's the parents and how they raise their children. The parents are not involved in the school. The parents don't show up for PTA meetings. The parents don't show up for uh, teacher-parent conference meetings. So what is the parent involvement in all of this? And that question's for Ms. Bailey. Okay, well, first of all, the parent
2: involvement should be, begins the moment your child walks up to school. And you need to know what's going on in that school. You need to be involved in that school. It's really, you know, we can sit here and we can say, you know, it's the system, it's this and it's that, but what is our role? We have to be involved. We have to go to parents' meetings. We have to have a, a relationship with their teachers, you know, what your children are doing, make sure you understand what they are doing. And if they need assistance or help, you know, you need to know that and know how to get them. Um, You can, I mean, you have a school, for example, my school, small school, so you have a school that you have 300 children in the school. And only 25, 30 people or 50 people coming out of the parents' this week, you know. So children need to know that they have your support. The system needs to know that you are there and that you have your eye on everything and you're involved in everything. I understand we're all trying to work and, you know, just go through life. But if you have a child, you have another relative in the school, it's your responsibility. That parent's responsibility starts the very moment that child goes into that school.
0: All right. Thank you with that. So I have another question. This question for Bob. Um, I know you talked about uh, supporting independent schools, independent black schools specifically. Um, what do you think about the idea of vouchers? So we talk about, you know, in New York City, maybe there's 10,000 allotted to a kid to go to public school. A kid could take that 10,000 in terms of a voucher and use that to go to any school the kid wants to. That's a private school, Catholic school, whatever it may be. How do you feel about the idea of vouchers?
4: See, I, I think that uh, I wanted to come back to uh, the, the earlier comment, though, uh, and, but, but, uh, but to try to just deal with your question. Uh, if, if you can use the vouchers to go any place you want, if you can use those vouchers to go to an independent school, then I'm for uh, being able to do that but I don't, I'm not real clear how it is you qualify for vouchers and what kind of uh, strings are actually attached to being able to use the voucher as freely as you actually would like to. But here is my real concern. Mm-hmm. This, as we talk about what is going on in the public schools and we talk about the arrest, for instance, uh, what happens in the schools is similar. It's, it's not similar to it's exactly what happens in society there are more young people, more black young people arrested. Uh, remember with the stop-and-frisk issue, there were more black young people being stopped. There were more stop-and-frisk than there were young people. If there, was, if there was 100 young people, there was 200 stop-and-frisk, which means that these young people are being stopped two and three times. The, um, the environment that they are in, the struggles that we are involved in with the public schools the social cost of that struggle is too high there are generations and generations of young people who are graduating from the public dysfunctional public schools who have been damaged by their experience in the in that public school as i said we began struggling with the public schools in 1990 we have not made significant progress at all in changing the, the nature and character of the public schools because it is their intention to maintain dominance over the educational process that is, that is uh, doing harm to black students. That is not, this, this struggle and these inadequacies are not just mistakes and errors in judgment. These young people are like like black people in this society, are the targets of an oppressive white supremacist uh, ideology, and so this I, I'm convinced at this point, after some years of struggling with the public schools, they are adept at struggle. They will they will struggle with us as long as we want to, just so long as we keep graduating. Uh, young people who are already trapped in the public school to prison pipeline. Therefore, we've got to take more and more of our children out of the pipeline, out of the public schools. When you go into the a, a school like uh, the learning tree, Miss Bailey school, one of the things that you will notice coming in the door is that there are no uniform guards in public schools in kindergarten. And I had a child in kindergarten in the public school. The, 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 the kindergarten has uniformed guards, people walking up and down with security on their back. These are, they are, uh, it, it creates a, uh, an atmosphere. It creates and, and it makes the criminalization and, uh, of, of young people becomes normalized by that very process. So I just think that, the real solution is to uh, better un- to understand even better the role and function of public schools in this society and what it is that their intention is when dealing with black students, particularly, and that we have to change that. We've got to create an alternative, and the alternative already exists with an excellent, excellent. Independent schools throughout the country doing an excellent job. Those schools need to be reinforced. They need to get uh, more support from community. See, while, while Nicole Bailey talks about the role that parents must play, which is ideally uh, true, but in Learning Tree School, they teach the children In spite of the parent involvement, which is what schools are supposed to do, schools educate the student in spite of the student's social condition. That's the function of a school. That's why people who don't have an education send their children to school so that their children can get an education, even if the parents can't help them with their homework. But in the independent schools that I have seen, I've seen teachers working with students, helping them with their homework. They educate the student in spite of the student's uh, parental involvement, although parental involvement is necessary. But we need an awareness of how important the total picture is and what the real function of, uh, you know, what the real function of education is. And so I'm just convinced that it is about creating an educational environment that, as black folk, we own and control. And we have excellent educators, Malese Asante and Leonard Jeffries and Adelaide Sanford, and we've got excellent educators who can be a part of a a board of education, if you will, who can be a part of the process that develops a uh, world-class independent school system.
0: All right, so I want to bring this question to Miss Bailey, because we mentioned the Learning Tree School. We know you're principal of the Learning Tree School. What makes your school unique and different compared to a public school?
2: Children love coming to school. <laughs> Our children, you know, uh, it's kind of funny, but, you know, trying to get them to leave is a the problem. They love coming to school because they know they're in an environment where people care about them, love them, they talk to them, guide them. Um... They enjoy the work that we do. They enjoy the language program. We have a media arts program. Um, and they just enjoy it. They enjoy it because they know that they are loved, they're, and we're going to be there for them always. Uh, we're, going to, we're going to speak to parents if they need us to speak to their parents concerning issues or what have you. So I think that's what makes us really, really unique, is the fact that our children love coming to school. We do not have a, an action rate. And, and most of the time, maybe a maybe Three three to five children might be out of school, maybe three days for the whole year. They love coming to school and we love
0: having them there. So I know you have small classroom sizes. I know the school feels like a community. I know you have a sign language program. You have a Spanish program, an Arabic program, a dance program with performing arts. You have a media program where the kids are learning filmmaking and internet radio and screenwriting. Um, You have a big science program. You have an excellent math program. You even have some extended programs where the kids can learn how to play chess and they go into different tournaments and and that's what we need in our schools. We need a yes. array of different activities that the kids can be involved in so they can figure out what their interests are and I know in your school the parents are involved a lot, which is good because it makes it feel more like a community yes. and not like an institution yes. so miss angela yes. as a, a as a can teacher a yes. Miss Angela, as a teacher in a public school system, what is your experience like working in your school? Cuz you might like it and your school might be different than some of the schools we're talking about in terms of a lot of criminalization going on in there. Um, but what is your school like?
1: Um, so this is actually my <clears throat> excuse me. This is actually my first full year working in a high school, a, pu- a public high school. So previously, I worked in a school that was kind of similar to Miss Um It was a middle school. I worked with K through eighth grade students. Sorry, um, and it was a black-owned school, um, independent school, um, and we did a lot of the same, like being very student-focused, student-centered um, teaching. A lot of our, like, a lot of our curriculum was based around social justice and like introducing our children to um different cultures along with heavily focusing on black culture uh and so to go to a to transition to a public school um that has none of that at all um that has teachers who are have very conservative views um and a lot of the lessons are not they're just pretty much teaching students and expecting them to regurgitate the information. Um, It was, it was a hard adjustment for me because my lessons have always been about focusing on um, bringing awareness to my students. And so like bringing that into the math classroom or when I previously taught science, bringing that into the science classroom. Um, And I, i kind of feel singled out Mm. as a teacher who does um who does give lessons like that i mean i've had students come up to me and they tell me that they enjoy a lot of the information that has been um given to them within my class in the way that they've been able to discover different things simply because i have done it differently than their teachers in the past um and i don't think that that should be the case i think it, it needs to be something that is consistent throughout their entire education. Um, I, I think they, even in building a different type of rapport with the students and actually showing that I care, it that that makes a huge difference. Um, and it's not something that I really. I mean, I won't say I really thought heavily about it because at my previous school, I it was it was common. It was something that was done every day, focusing on educating the whole child. And I don't. I feel like. Um, it, within the public school system, we're doing our students a disservice by not doing, by not ed- educating the whole child and introducing them to how social justice can play a role in their learning.
0: Excellent. So we talked about criminalization. We talked about solutions and, and what we feel we need. Um, for the last 20 minutes, I want to talk about the future. So technology, um, engineering, programming, that's really big for our future, for, for our society. Um, Where do our schools need to be with that? I know our children, our black children, are way behind when it comes to Internet in the home, computers in the home. um, And we're just falling further and further behind, especially when we talk about coding programs, um, learning how to code. The children are really not adept with that. So where do we need to go? And I'll start with Shante. I know you have two children. Um, How are you working and is your school working towards getting your children involved in technology?
1: yeah luckily um, my children's school is very advanced in terms of um, technology my girls are stem lovers so but outside of the school that's something that was very important to me just to expose them to different things outside of um, the typical sports music things like that you know just taking them to different science festivals events things like that so that they can actually be encouraged there's there's so many things now even toys you know that encourage engineering, manufacturing, building. Outside of that, um, just educating them economically. You know, my girls started a a business and selling snow cones. You know, they actually have their own LLC and um, creating that that layer of supporting black-owned businesses. I mean, they're 11 and 7, but they're aware. They're so much aware of that, that when they see a black-owned business, um, you know, they know, like, we have to support that. So I think that's important, too. But with regards to technology, I mean, it's, it's all over. They're using smart boards. They're using things that I haven't even seen. They're doing things um, years before I did in terms of the computer and um, communicating with each other, communicating with their teachers, you know, via email. Um They, they Skype children in different countries. I mean, it's incredible. So luckily, um, that is a big aspect of their education, and it's not something that they're lacking in.
0: Angela, do you have that same thing going on in your school in terms of technology? And how is that affecting the black children in the school?
1: Um, so we only we technically we don't offer full technology um, courses. And I've actually questioned some of the teachers about it. Um, we, we offer I think there's one coding class at the school. But a lot of our students are in remediation for other classes. And so this coding class is an elective to fill in a space for the students who are already doing well in their classes. Um, and so I think, I, I, do, I do think that um, some of our students are be, being done a disservice in not having the opportunity to um, do things like programming and coding and just creating their own just something as small as creating a game on um, the computers. We do have Chromebooks for each of our classes. I will say that. And so our students are learning how to, um, pretty much how to do research on the computers, how to, how to type papers, how to, um, <clears throat> how to use the internet. Um, but I think it requires more than that. I think when we're talking about mm-hmm. encouraging um, black students to want to look into something like, um, technology as a potential career in the future. I think it needs to be more than just the basic skills that a lot of our students are being taught. Um, and so I think a lot of my students have to outsource where you have to go to these programs that are after-school programs or summer programs and they're offered, but a lot of times they cost money that these families don't have to put into those types of programs.
0: So, Bob, what do you think about the future in terms of where we need to go with the schooling of our children? Is it technology? Is it educate? Is it a financial, money education, business education, farming, um, food, nutrition education? Where do you think we need to put our foot forward?
4: Well, <laughs> we, we need to do all of that, of course. I think that the, uh, uh, the future m- and moving forward. I, I, come, I want to come back again and again to the same theme. So I think that moving forward, we have to make all of this available, the new technology, where technology is going. We need curriculum that is preparing our young people for, the, for life in the 21st century. I think that uh, it's important to me, I think that people understand that the public schools have no intention of educating black students. Their intention is to miseducate and to undereducate they are, they, so that the struggles that we are involved in, the things that we are talking about including in the public school curriculum, the pub- is, is, uh, a, it is too costly. The, the social cost of, of all of that, is too costly moving forward I believe it is therefore net, when I say the social cost is too costly too many children suffer while this battle continues too many schools are graduating uh, un- undereducated children while we are still struggling with their schools in order to create the kind of curriculum that is necessary the schools have no intention of doing that I think that moving forward moving into the future is to invest much more of our talent and our time and our own uh, intellect and insight to invest much more of our own resources into building a powerful network of independent schools the independent schools are already have already answered these questions the independent schools have already created an environment and a curriculum that serves our children. There's no debate. There's no, there's, in the independent school, there's no need to come in and talk about policemen in the school. There's no need to come in and, and talk about uh, punishment being disproportionate. But the independent schools have recognized that. The people who have started independent schools recognize the contradictions in the public schools And have stepped up to do something about it and what I believe is necessary moving forward is that the community begin to step up and support those teachers those educators like Nicole Bailey and others who have already shown us that they realize what is wrong and they realize what is right and they have begun to undertake doing all of the things that we're talking about doing here moving forward why not support the independent schools who already exist let's make it possible for them to thrive let's make it possible for them to include more program let's make it possible for them to pay their teachers and to pay their rent that is why I created the independent black school education fund I believe and it doesn't and people don't have to do it through my fund through grace grace is a national organization we're sending small amounts of money to, to schools around the country. Uh, but in other cities, and, and even in the same city, other people can create the same kind of community-based fund that makes it possible for the uh, schools that already exist to continue to thrive. That's what we uh, intend to do moving forward, to support and cooperate with the schools who have already answered all of the questions that we've raised here today. They've already been answered by independent schools throughout New York City as well as throughout the country. Let's move forward by giving those schools far more
0: support. So moving forward, for people who are listening to the broadcast now and who will listen to the broadcast in the future, um, because this broadcast will be archived, how do they get in touch with you, or is there a website where they can have access to how they can contribute to the fund?
4: Yep, you can... uh, contribute to the fund at goFundMe uh, which is one of the easier ways to do it it's just um, uh, a grace education fund at goFundMe if you just go to GoFundMe Google goFundMe and put in Bob law education fund or grace education fund uh, our website will come up and people can can fund uh, we're asking people to, it's a crowdfunding approach. We're asking people to send five dollars. You know, I think we just raised it. We ask people to send a minimum of well, they can send whatever they like. But we ask people to send five or ten dollars. Uh, mm-hmm. And if we could get enough people to do that, it it will make our our initiative very very successful. Uh, people have been sending fifties and a hundred, and but we want to make it clear that uh, this that it is our intention to. Uh, improve education through community collaboration. We're, we haven't asked any foundation for money. We're, we're talking to the black community that is served by these schools. If I could get black folk to spend some of the money they spend it on Nike and at McDonald's, if we could get black folk to spend some of that money, to send 10 of those dollars uh, to an education fund, it would be sufficient to make the education fund successful. We we have uh, see part of our our educational process, part of our indoctrination has taught us that we are pitiful and poor and in need of someone to pick us up and finance the, the education of our children for us. But we have the money. We have the money in our pocket right now. We have the money in our pocket to, to create a meaningful uh, independent school system is just a question of diverting some of the money, some of the money that goes to Covasier and Johnny Walker and some of the money that goes to McDonald's, some of the money that goes to Nike, some of the money that goes, that's going to be spent at the NBA all-star game. You know, some this, if we could divert just some of the money that we are already spending frivolously, just divert. 10 of those dollars into an education fund. That is what we're asking people to do. And you can do it again. And I appreciate the, the, this opportunity. Just go to Google and Google grace, uh, education fund. And, and we will come up.
0: So I want to ask the next question to Miss Bailey. What do you see for the future of the learning tree in terms of curriculum, school enrollment, you know, whatever you're thinking about for the school to make the school better, um, what what does the future look like for the Learning Tree School? Uh,
2: the future for the Learning Tree School is certainly more parents. We are a tuition based school, and I understand people, I realize I don't have money for tuition, but we also do not turn uh, families away. We are a family based school, so our children, we consider our children their parents or our family, so that's how we uh, relate to each other. Um, the future is that we're going forward looking forward hopefully to have our own building whether we can do even more things uh, to grow our community in the school uh, to have more um, more resources that we need in the school um you know let talk about public schools yeah, public school, The one thing the public school does have they have all the money we don't have that money and then they have they have charter schools and charter schools are really just public schools, but when they decide to have charter schools in New York, they did it without uh, acknowledging uh, independent schools. An existing school cannot become a charter school. And you know charter schools have all the money. So we do a lot with the With All the programs that you just mentioned that we have and what we do, you know, going forward, we will continue to go forward. We will continue to do the great work. We will continue to produce students and to do great things. We have students. Uh, and I believe schools around the country. Uh, we have students in our school that graduated from our school that's on our board of directors as well. So, going forward, we're going to succeed. We're going to continue to, to work, continue to reach out mm-hmm. and, with the community. And so I was. I'm getting stuck back. Right. I, I
0: can hear you okay. I think somebody got some uh, feedback in their phone. But we, we got you. I can so, hear you.
2: So forward, forward, but Yes, right. for the future, uh, that's where
0: we're going. Okay, excellent, and I'm, I'm looking forward to that experience. So I want to ask Jamel the next question. Um, as a youth advocate, what what are the next steps for you that you are doing to help our youth, and how can the community get involved in helping you?
3: Um, yes, that's a great question. Uh, so. Again, our current campaign is around dismantling the school-to-prison pipeline. Um, last year, through our advocacy, we were able to um, uh, force the mayor and the city to commit to investing more money in restorative practices, um, but yet they're still not enough. So we're going to continue with that campaign, pushing the mayor and the DOE um, to invest more in restorative practices, to invest more in youth jobs, uh, to invest more in... Uh, Student MetroCard to opportunities, um, and also call on the city to also divest, right? Because the money is there. That's what we do know. And when you're spending more than $300 million on school safety agents that are not technically keeping students actually safe, um, this year we really want to push, and for the years to come, is that the city start pulling money from these costly, ineffective places um, that they spend money. Supposedly, for students, and start putting them in places where students want to see them. Right? I work with a lot of students who always come to me for jobs. the The summer youth Employ- The summer youth employment program only provides a limited amount of uh, jobs for students every summer. Um, again. Some of the students we serve are from low-income families. They they are looking for opportunities, but they are not there. And the money is there, but the city is not paying their money with their mouth is. Um, so we're going to keep pushing on our invest-divest report and in the school-to-prison pipeline. Um, I know we uh, uh, talked a little bit about stats earlier. I just wanted to bring this one back up. In New York City alone, there's more than 5,000 uh, school safety agents in schools um but less than three thousand guidance counselors, right? So there's more cops in schools than guidance counselors. So we're gonna keep working wow. on. Um, we're gonna keep working on showing young people the the true narrative that people are present for them to be there to support. Some people that look like them, black educators, um, teachers, activists, are in the schools um, and start lowering those numbers in cops in schools. Um, and the harsh criminalization of their black bodies,
0: okay, I want to ask the next question to Miss Angela. I know you have a blog, um mm-hmm. and we want to promote what we do as well. Mm-hmm. So I want you to talk a little bit about your blog and what that's about.
1: Um, so my blog uh, pretty much uh, focuses on um, different um, different types of pedagogy, so like pretty much bridging the gap between. STEM, so it's science, technology, engineering, mathematics, and social justice. Um, and so uh, a lot of the things that I write about has to do with um, bringing social change and social issues into the STEM classroom, which a lot of teachers don't do because either they can't figure out a way to bridge that gap or um, their schools are focused on um, a set curriculum that they cannot uh, essentially bend from uh, so a lot of my posts focus on that and they focus on just giving teachers effective strategies to use in the classroom in terms of tactics for behavioral management so that teachers are not immediately um, removing students from their classroom for misbehaviors um, it focuses on ways to to make learning more exciting for students in the STEM classroom, because we have a lot of children who, um, for lack of a better word, failed to um, succeed in STEM classes. And I think a a large part of that is this misconception that, you know, black children are not good at math, or black children are not good at science. Um, And so a lot of these posts focus on encouraging that and giving teachers ways to kind of work around that
0: conception. And what's the name of the blog so people can uh, follow it?
1: The blog is called thewokestemteacher.com.
0: Okay, thewokestemteacher.com. And as always, I'll have a resource page on the website. (laughs) All right, somebody got to watch their phone. So I'll have a a link on the website (laughs) in our resource page to Bob's um, GoFundMe page, to the Learning Tree School, to Cocoa Pie Clothing, as well as the Woke STEM, the woke STEM Teacher blog, um, so people can get involved with that. We have three minutes left, and I want to ask the last question to Shantae. Um, tell us about your clothing brand, and I think your children have a company as well. So tell us a little bit about that.
1: Well, um, I started Cocoa Pie Clothing as a result of um, buying my buying my daughter a T-shirt that she thought was her um, when we went back, you know, we just couldn't find anything, and I, I realized how underrepresented, excuse me, underrepresented children of color were in apparel. Um, I mean, I didn't realize how much pride, how much um, awareness this T-shirt gave my daughter, and it's, and you know, I've been everywhere from Black and Married with Kids to Huffington Post. You know, everywhere from um, all across the United States to Australia, United Kingdom you know, where I've sold things, and in addition to that, you know, that's encouraged my daughters to want to start their own business. And as I mentioned, they're 11 and 7. Um, They have their own LLC. They have their own college fund. They save. Um, They sell shaved ice here in Arizona. And I think that's super important outside of educating our children it's giving them that economic structure so that they know they don't have to go into this world and work for somebody else. I feel like that's very, very integral to um, black children and the black family is being able to provide that structure so that we can funnel that money into our communities, so that we can um, support funds like Bob Law's Education Fund. You know, we have to have the money there to support these different programs and these different institutions. So, um, yeah, that's that's practically it in a nutshell.
0: Excellent. So, Bob, I have 30 seconds left. I'm going to give you the last 30 <laughs> seconds to... Reiterate and say what you were saying about the uh, the funding because I agree with you. We do need more independent schools, and we need to put more of our resources towards schooling and and less of that, you know, spending money in the strip clubs and buying three hundred dollar pair of sneakers and things that are just really not relevant to what we need for a society. So for the last thirty seconds, I just want you to, seconds. I just want you to pitch your your GoFundMe project well, one more time.
4: We we are uh, as a people. We have the money to do all of the things that we are talking about. It is a question of reordering our priorities. We already have the money. We are not as poor and as pitiful. You can't prove that black people are poor and pitiful by, by talking to the owners of McDonald's and, and Nike. Uh, Nike has, has publicly acknowledged that 60 seconds. Are the driving force behind the uh, success of Nike. We have the money. What we're talking about is redirecting some of the money, redirecting some of the money that we already have. It's not a question of convincing anybody in a policy-making position to redirect funds. We have the funds that we need to do for self if we begin to think in terms of self-determination. That is what we are, we are, we're part of a movement that that is moving forcefully in the direction of self-determination. We have the money. Take some of the money that we already have. Uh, Adam Powell had a famous speech or sermon, so what's in your hand? What's in your hand, black man? We've got billions of dollars in our hand. We're talking about taking some of the money that we have and uh, redirecting it into programs, institutions, that are in the interest of our people and our children. We have so the education fund is just one of them. It is grace it is the uh, uh, education the Black Independent School Education Fund. If you would be willing to just donate ten dollars five dollars just take some of the money that would have been spent frivolously on fast food. Black people eat more fast food than any other ethnic group in the country. I think six times more fast food than any other ethnic group in the country. If you take some of that, and you and all know that's not real food. That's why you can get so much of it for a dollar. If you can take some of that money, redirect it, send it to, a, to Grace or if you're aware of any other kind of educational fund or independent school in your community that could benefit from it, if if you donate to Grace, you can just Google Grace Education Fund. Uh, you can put in Bob Law Education Fund, and it comes up. If you put in Grace Education Fund, it it uh, it will come up. The, we have a GoFundMe page. On that page, is a full explanation of Grace, who the advisors are, how it works, how you how schools qualify for the money. You can get full information about. What we are and how how we operate, and then make a donation, and do it right on do it right online.
0: Excellent. So I will have links to everything that we mentioned today on the resource page. Just go to blackpillradio.com, click on the resource page, and by tomorrow all the links that we mentioned today will be up on the page. I want to thank my panelists for for working with us today and being a part of the broadcast. I want to thank the listeners for listening in. As always, we are live every first and third Sunday morning from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern time. And I will see you guys in February. Peace and have a good day.